hello and welcome back to We Bought a Mic. Talking ketchup. Looks like a strictly TV ketchup mm-hmm. today on the docket um, for you today. We ta- Well, we got all the good TV talked about last week with Bar Rescue and mm-hmm. all that fun stuff. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, what was the other one? There's nowhere to go but down from here. Yeah, tank. I cannot. I cannot believe how long we talked about tank. <laughs> <laughs> it's a fascinating show. Guess what? I've watched more of it this week. <laughs> Give me some sharp I have a sink problem. That's mm. what I'm waiting for. Mm-hmm. That's what I watch every night. And what's that? What's Shark Tanked? <laughs> oh, well, I guess that's I just guess, my you know, that's my sleep I paralysis. Feel like maybe vision. Tanked. Maybe the boys from Tanked, the the New Yorkers, our favorite New York family, went on Shark Tank and like tried really hard to pitch it to them, and it was like unairable. Like they could not put the episode on the air. Welcome to the show. I'm Ernest. I am your new Jeopardy host, Hunter, and I am. Uh, balanced mic, balanced voice, Drew. <laughs> not blowing out any mics over here. Not not popping. Should be fine in post. No clips. No, Hunter, fine. Hunter's a little hot tonight, but <laughs> look, I'm hot for Mikey. You got it like back. You got it. <laughs> I'm hearing it. I'm hearing the pop. It's because I don't know why. I normally am too quiet on the mics, and for some reason, the mic is so loud today. Yeah. Did you switch up the mic? I I did may you, have. Did you buy a new mic? I may. I definitely have not. May, we might need to do that soon I at some know. point. Nah, so we're we we's catching up. Um, who wants to go first? Um, this is well, sort of a Socratic circle. Real, real quick, I just want to plug a couple things. So please check out our uh, quick bracket announcement episode, which is a separate episode on the feed that you should see. Um, go ahead and give it a quick listen. Mm-hmm. Uh, you should already see on our Twitter the bracket up, which you can vote on right now to decide who our next. Mm-hmm. Well, bam series will be so check out that episode yes. where we break at all of that we, down. at we bought a mic on twitter and i want people to vote i want you know i'm gonna be like one of those really annoying celebrities it's like freaking vote freaking vote <laughs> dude rock text, the vote text denzel to wbam <laughs> you know what we should we probably should have just waited another month and then we could have had this like coincide with november with voting season we could have done a b- mm-hmm. lot more bits yeah but the santis it no. doesn't that Who doesn't roll that? off the tongue like like September madness. Yeah. I'm going to see. I also just have another idea about the bracket. I'm going to see who we could afford to pay for a cameo to announce the winner. Oh, wait. That's a great idea. Can we idea. get the Tom Cruise impersonator to, act, <laughs> to announce Tom? To say, like, Tom Cruise. I didn't like, rig ah, shit. Oh. <laughs> Vote for Tom. Huh? Wow. Oh. Um, and then the other thing I wanted to announce is our Discord server. So yes. I also announced it on that episode, but it's in early access. Um, alpha beta mode at the moment so um, if you want access you can either donate in, yeah we're currently in sigma mode sigma, sigma male mode we're, we're currently in sicko mode so <laughs> you can either donate or just send us a really nice sweet dm or email and we'll get you in there as we uh, build out the wabam discord community shout out to all you boys who are already in there you can interact with us as we record the podcast live in the discord server um, so just a couple things um, to announce off the top. Let's get into catch up now with Master of None season three on Netflix. Uh, I watched this a few months ago. It was a little bit of a surprise release yep. uh, kind of uh, out of nowhere. We knew that maybe there would be a third season of Master of None, but uh, we didn't know anything about it, especially 
um, you know, given the fact that Aziz was kind of canceled a little bit and we didn't know kind of what his relationship with Netflix was. We, he did get that stand-up special directed by Spike Jones, which I think you saw, Drew. I watched it. It was you, yeah. Hunter? Yeah, I I didn't like it. Yeah, yeah. I still haven't seen it. But, <laughs> I didn't think it was very um, good. I watched this Master of None season three, which doesn't really have Aziz in it at all. He's in like one scene in the whole thing. Um, what? But it's Yeah, it's mainly mm-hmm. focused on Lena Waite's character. Um so it and it's definitely a um a covid season of television um it's you know very empty sets like one or two people max maybe three or four in certain scenes and uh it tells this very contained story of a um lesbian couple because lena waits character is lesbian um kind of living together and seeing their life in this cabin and going through um I'll, I'll spoil a little bit the the drama of uh trying to have a child um and having a bit of a miscarriage and the fallout that comes from that so i won't give away more than that but i found it really touching really effective um i think that some of the dramatic beats were a little bit forced um to kind of create the drama and the tension where you think like you know th- would this situation really work out this way in reality um but you know it's a show it's a tv mm-hmm. show you know sometimes you need a little bit of fabricated drama um but in terms of like the construction of it you know the shots the music the ambiance the acting it's all really 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 well done and it's a good kind of departure from what the show was in seasons one and two, like we're not getting uh, Eric Warheim and and the season sorry gallivanting through yeah, like, uh, Tinder, Italy <laughs> on here. Uh, that Pizza. is not that is not what this is. This is called moments in love, and it's just like these little intimate, sparse portraits of this couple at different points in their relationship. So, I'm curious: is this set in New York still? Not the city. It okay. might be New York State. Okay. It's kind of nebulous a little bit. It's kind of odd because, I mean, even whenever they were going to Italy and stuff in the past seasons, like the seals, like such a New York show. But I guess yes. you can't hide COVID in New York right. City. Like you can't just shoot like barren <laughs> backdrops of New York because that's just completely inauthentic. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So it, it is very much a COVID season of TV, but I think they did a really good job of like telling a compelling story with extremely constrained parameters because of the pandemic. Um, also, I think Alan Yang was kind of the lead creative mm-hmm. force in here rather than Aziz. Um, but I recommend it. It's pretty short. Um, it's only, um, let's see here. One, two, three, four, five episodes. It's only five episodes. Mm-hmm. Oh, it looks like Aziz did write uh, and direct. Oh, wait, yeah. Aziz did write and direct all of it. So do it wasn't think, Alan Yang. Do you think that's why he, like, this season kind of feels like it came and went? Like, the first two seasons were big deals when they came out. But this, I remember seeing it on Netflix, and it was, like, out of the top ten a few days later. And to be honest, I kind of just forgot about it. I forgot that it came out. Yeah, yeah. I mean. Do you think that the Aziz might have all the, is just the. Yeah, the tainted stamp a little yeah. bit. Yeah, but Lena Waithe, I mean, she co-wrote it with him. And she's kind of the star of the whole thing. And she does a great job. I, I really enjoyed her performance. Mm. And um, 
um her co-star um i don't have her name pulled up but um i think she did a really great job oh naomi aki is the name of her co-star i think she did great so check it out it's master of none season three it's on netflix um the other thing i wanted to talk about is modok on hulu um, which is from some of the same team that made Robot Chicken. Yeah. So it's kind of that same mm-hmm. style, stop motion animation. And it's based on a Marvel Comics character. Uh, MODOK is an acronym for uh, mechanized organism designed only for killing. And in this show, he is played by Patton Oswalt. Mm-hmm. Remy the Rat. Yeah, Remy the Rat himself. Mm-hmm. And he is kind of this bumbling supervillain. And they have a lot of fun with it. Like this is for this being a Marvel show, this feels like super detached from what we expect from anything Marvel. This is gory. This is crude. This is rude. It's it's silly and like kind of gross and kind of weird. And I just think I it was really fun. It was just good to put on. Um, the episodes are short and quick. It's like a little half hour uh, comedy. And you get a ton of like weird, wacky stuff. There's like time travel bits and uh, really kind of obscure pop culture uh, jokes and references. Um, that's that's Patton Oswalt for you. Yeah. <laughs> and the, the supporting cast is just it's insane. Ben Schwartz, uh, Beck Bennett, uh, John Daly. Uh, John Hamm, Nathan Fillion, Whoopi Goldberg, Bill Hader. Like there is just a ton of people in this that you're kind of guessing like, who's that? Who's that? And um, it's just a lot of fun. I just found it really, really funny. Just kind of this silly, weird, goofy, kind of gory cartoon to put on. Um, And I'm pretty sure that they actually do the stop motion for a lot of it. I don't think that they. Yeah. I mean, there's probably a lot of, you know, computer effects that go in there, but it looks like legit. Uh, stop motion i don't remember if that's what they did with robot chicken um but i'm pretty sure that it was pretty similar to to what this is like um so i recommend it it's uh you know with between this and master of none i'm spotlighting some tv that i really really enjoyed but it's probably not gonna make my best of the year Mm -hmm. uh it's just probably just shy of making the, the top 10 cut so just figure I'd give it a shout out uh, because it's probably not going to get that shout out at the uh, the end of the year pod. So respect. Mm. It does. It does seem like Marvel is more hands off with its properties that are not on Disney Plus. Well, yes. this is right. kind of the last of its breed. I'm pretty sure because they did some restructuring and Kevin Feige went from being the movie guy to now like the everything guy. And I think that we may not get more stuff like this, which makes me sad. Oh, that's kind of that's a bummer. Yeah. Yeah. But I think it is getting a second season. So that's cool. We'll see when that comes around. Um, so that's Modoc on Hulu. Check it out. Um, looks like we got some uh, topical mm-hmm. issues plaguing the TV landscape that we need to break <sighs> yes. down. We've we've talked a lot about Jeopardy on this podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, Rightfully so. Yes. And uh, I we got to we have to talk about this out on the air about all the shit that Jeopardy has had going on. Yes. So 
obviously for months they have been uh doing guest spots that for for a lot of the guests you know it's it's a couple weeks each for everyone guest hosting and for a lot of them it does it is more of a tryout and then for some it's more of like a novelty um and it's been you know to varying success but it has been interesting to see different how different people approach jeopardy to see how hard it really is to host jeopardy like the approval ratings for most of these people from like real heads are you know it's not fair to even compare because Alex had so much experience, but it's not an easy fucking job. It is the fastest paced game show that there is. Um, so uh, it comes forward um, that Mike Richards, the a long, not, not even a long time, but he's been with CBS for a while. He was a producer on the price is right. He's been sort of the head uh, of Jeopardy for a few years now behind the camera. Mm -hmm. Yes. He had a stint as a guest host and the way that he introduced himself on that episode was as if he was covering for somebody. He said that like, because of the pandemic, the, the real guest host couldn't be there, but the show must go on. Um, and so he guest hosts, he, he's, he gets pretty middling reviews. Like he, you know, he does it pretty, he does it ably, but not likably. Um, mm -hmm. I think is the way that most people would put it. Uh, and so we get through the stints. Everyone, it, I think it might have made have been a, uh, a mistake for Jeopardy to do this guest host thing because now everyone has a favorite and only one will get picked. Yeah. Yes. So all, most people by default will be upset if they have any stakes in it. Um, Especially because it, it became blatantly like a, a competition. It mm -hmm. wasn't just like, let's have some fun with some guests or maybe that was the initial conceit, but it quickly became, let's see who's got the chops to be the permanent. Yeah. Um, well, and not only did it become a competition, it became, as it went on, a rigged competition. And we have to give <laughs> we have to give a shout out to uh, the ringers, Claire McNear, who's the one who wrote this like she did all this investigative journalism behind it. It's one of the best pieces that I've read in a really, really long time. We'll have to link to it in the show notes, but where she kind of goes through and she finds where Mike Richards uh, had a podcast from whenever he was the EP on um, Let's Make a Deal and um, Wheel of Fortune, I believe. Um, he had a podcast. So this is while he was already a man, like he was in power and he said some, uh, very not great things. Uh, a lot of, lot of very, very sexist stuff, uh, that came out that wasn't like, Oh, haha. Ha, like I was just like a kid when those came out, like this is only in the, like the last couple of years, very mm -hmm. degrading things. Even outside of that, uh, he's had multiple lawsuits against him for, yeah. um, for being, a lot of uh, sexist things happening in the workplace. Nothing abusive, but uh, saying very, uh, very inappropriate things to women coming in and firing a lot of old time people and kind of replacing them with his crew. Like there's a reason why he's risen up the ranks at Sony Pictures, who are the Sony Pictures television the people who are behind Jeopardy is because he is. He's a little fucking weasel. He's yeah, a he's, little fucking worm. He, yeah, he's just he's like a classical slime ball. Like he that's all he is. And so before this Claire McNear article, um, it it yeah, the lawsuits came forward before it was even announced that he was gonna be the host. That was announced because it was already there were rumblings. It was like, oh, they're eyeing Mike Richards really hard. And so that was found. And then there were more rumblings that like he is 
clearly the favorite because he is involved in the selection process. Mm-hmm. It's the most rigged shit ever. He's saying, I didn't rig shit. I didn't do shit. <laughs> and um, he did. He would send. He was the person who is in charge of sending, handpicking the episodes and the clips to send to focus groups for Sony to gauge the reaction. Yeah. So he was literally just sending the worst clips of all of the other contestants yeah. and the best of himself. Sounds like and he did rig shit. This was and not only that, it's not like he was on a board that was doing this. He was the only person to make these decisions. Yeah. He was fully in charge of everything. Stinky. And yeah. And in addition to that, where I was getting at with him presenting himself, like coming in and saving the day to guest host, that was bullshit because that there are scheduling conflicts all the time with either host or contestant and things are rescheduled. They shoot Jeopardy like way in advance. Mm-hmm. It's not a big deal. And uh, so like, you know, all the producers, like everyone at Sony is like, oh, no, that's fine. We'll just reschedule. And Mike's like, no, 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 guys, I'll do it. I'll go host. <laughs> and that's how he fucking that's how he fucking worms his way in. That to me is such a slime bag move like that just sucks. Um, it's. I don't know. He's just a climber. You can look at him and just be like, oh, this is like a this is a uh, real estate agent. This is a car salesman. I mean, the Um, most impressive thing, though, is that like how quickly it all fell apart. I know it's very funny. Um, So, yeah, McNear does she she's got boots on the ground like she does the dirty work here of listening to this like awful fucking podcast. At one point in that podcast, he said uh, he was really stoked when (laughs) Jeff Probst. (laughs) It's the funniest shit. He said he was really stoked when Jeff Probst got his own talk show because he was like, yeah, that makes it so, you know, it seems like like your normal white guy like me can get a show still in this freaking, you know, in this economy. (laughs) And um, that sucks dick so hard Uh, for obvious reasons. And then on top of the obvious reasons, Jeff Probst is not a normal white dude. He's the white dude. He's that white (laughs) dude. He's the best. Um, he's good as like he's like the best. It's that's such a frustrating. Like it's a guy who really thinks that uh, the only people to blame for him not being on top of the world are others and not himself. Uh, meanwhile, he sucks, and now he's paying the price for it. I'm not typically like the most massive fan of um of like like pouring the archives of everything someone has said whenever they get something in order to uh, be rid of them. Right. Because you'll find dirt with anybody, especially people like, you know, whose job it is to uh, put stuff out, you know, in some way or form. Mm -hmm. That said, uh, Shane Gillis deserved to get booed from SNL. They're like, I can't imagine a world in which the like the anti-Asian stuff that he said, the slurs he said in the same year that they hired their first Asian American cast member. I cannot imagine a world where that flies. Like he, that's just, you're not going to get on the show, but I'm really sorry. Um, And then Mike Richards, like regardless of anything that he said or did, he, he wormed his way in there and did Mm -hmm. not objectively deserve the role. Not that there's any full objectivity here, but if we were to choose any person who should be eliminated from contention, it'd be him by default because he was so involved with the process. That's not fair. Um, It's interesting looking forward uh, to see what they do. They, you know, they have, they're going to continue on with this guest host thing. It's been good for ratings because people are interested to see like, oh, this guy's doing it. Oh, she's doing it. Um, they're, they're still aggressively pursuing, uh, Miam be like, she from, she played flower way, way like back when, when she was a child actress, she was on big bang theory. Mm-hmm. Um, 
she and Bialik. Yeah, she she's you know, she's uh, she has very high like focus group approval ratings, basically. You know what I mean? Like people mm-hmm. like her. They see her. They recognize her. They like her. Most people that are watching these guest hosts are not judging them on their hosting prowess. Yeah, they're hosting them on their like, what relationship do I have yeah, to you? That's why everyone is riding crazy hard for LeVar Burton. Although by all uh, like <laughs> by all accounts from like TV, like analytic freaks. Uh, he didn't do a great job hosting. He was very, he obviously wasn't comfortable, uh, basically. Although again, going back to the Mike Richards of it all, Mike Richards was also involved in scheduling these people. And there's a reason LeVar Burton actually, like a lot of people think that his ratings, despite being pretty solid are drastically lower than what they should have been because they scheduled LeVar Burton to go on at primetime against the Olympics, mm-hmm. which is because, just yeah, because not- he was the front runner outside yeah. of Ken Jennings. Ken Jennings, he saw him as a threat. I just yeah. really it, I feel like this has to end with Ken getting the job like Alex was kind of grooming Ken in some ways to yes. get the job before he passed away. So, so I did like like probably like a year or two ago at this point, I did a big ass pod segment on who will usurp Alex. Mm-hmm. I remember this. Yeah. Um, and I put a lot of a time into it and I like researched. There were multiple people that Alex had said before. Uh, they did not try out any of those people. Uh, in fairness, maybe those people declined. Like it's not just a given that someone would want to host Jeopardy. Um, yeah. Where's Aisha Tyler at? She was my pick. Uh, she, you know, she's, she didn't even get a call. D- did she not? I don't think so. I don't know. She's like. And like, again, in fairness, if, you know, maybe she did and maybe she's busy as fuck or maybe she's, you know, she's or wrapped up. In maybe they just don't want to do it, too. Like, is the yeah, other thing like saying. that's the thing with uh, man Bilak is like she might like they had her doing the prime time, the yeah. special things, which makes me think that she just didn't want to sign up to commit Yo, to doing this. I just I week. just Googled Aisha Tyler Jeopardy. And the top result is a tweet from her on August 4th where she quote tweets the Variety article that says that Mike Richards got the job as permanent host. Mm-hmm. And then she says, answer, we'll never watch Jeopardy again. Question, who is everyone? Hell yeah. Yeah, let's go. Um, Aisha Taylor. Man, I love her. Aisha Taylor. She, and she, like, for every measure that I said in that segment, she would be, like, in a vacuum, the perfect Jeopardy host, I think. Um, but she may not want to, and they may have not approached her because they were looking, they weren't looking for the strongest contenders, obviously, if Mike was involved. Um, uh, someone who gained a lot of steam right at the end there was David Faber, who mm-hmm. has been on uh, CNBC covering like financial news for years and years. I had no past history with him. I watched a couple of his episodes and he did the most solid job of anyone mm-hmm. I've seen in terms of like, he he kept the pace going. He was very natural on camera. He was... Uh, the moment didn't seem too big for him. And on top of that, he was just he's has a really like pleasant voice. He's good to listen to. Uh, he he seemed to fit the bill really, really well. Mm-hmm. Um, that said, I don't like we, we don't know who else could have tried and, you know, not made it or what measures were against people. Um, like I said, they didn't call anyone Alex had wanted. However, uh, toward the very end, Alex did say he wanted Ken. Mm-hmm. Um, Ken, as I said in my segment back then, doesn't have a good voice. He has a bit of a lisp and he has like a grating voice. That is the only thing that's going against Ken. Yeah. Literally. Everyone loves Ken, 
but it Jeopardy is a voice acting gig. It, it's more of a voice acting gig voice. than it is anything else. And that's that yeah. is a serious problem. It's funny, like on a show like The Chase and stuff like that, where it, like the camera's on him more. He can do more stuff because he's like he's kind of funny. Like yeah, he's, he's got a physicality guy. to him. But like you that's not what Jeopardy is at all. Yeah. A more a more charismatic past uh, contestant who, you know, threw their hat in the ring was Buzzy Cohen, mm-hmm. who I, I'd say is probably a bit too much yeah he's a bit too zany (laughs) like again like you don't want somebody who's like the whole thing and claire does a good job about pointing this out in her piece is the key to jeopardy and why it was so great is that alex always said like i'm not the star people don't watch jeopardy for me they watch it for the contestants and the fucked up thing about this mike richards thing is that he made it about himself which is the one thing that you don't do if you are jeopardy you keep it about the fucking contestants speaking to that outside of all of this happening there's one of the greatest contestants of jeopardy history is on right now during all of this and it's getting matt amodio uh, overshadowed yeah matt amodio who has won 18 straight games and now has the third highest winnings of any contestant ever yeah because he he's playing like the new school style he's playing the whole tower style like yeah exactly whole tower started a new school of thought in jeopardy he also has has changed uh syntactically what people think about answering these questions because Mm. the the gimmick of the show is often forgotten where it's like oh they're giving you the answer and so you're supplying the question um and he but the thing is all you have to do is ask a question and have the right answer in it you literally it doesn't have to be what is he says what's all he says is what's He's like, oh, and if it's a person, he still says what? Because he's he's like hell bent on just straight efficiency. He doesn't want to be thinking about the right uh, modifier, you know? Yep. And it it just I don't know. It sort of opens up a whole new world of you could just say, like, um, how is Alex Trebek? <laughs> you know, it's, Trebek? Question mark? It's funny. Like, <laughs> yeah, could that was, Trebek? that was something people were examining. Could you ask it? Could you just put a question mark at the end of whatever you're saying? That I think it was determined you cannot do because it's not a full question. Right. Um, That would be you need to phrase it as a sentence, essentially. Yeah. You could be like you could be like, uh, why not Arizona? (laughs) That's a question. That's literally legal. And no one does this. The funny thing about uh, about this Matt situation is like, of course, they ended their season. um, They filmed from normally they start the new season in July, but because of covid started just filming last week as of recording this they started they filmed their first episode after the claire the claire mcnear piece came out on the eve of mike richards hosting his first official episode as the new host they then filmed an episode he was fired the next day so now it's kind of opened up this whole can of worms because they filmed a week's worth of episodes in that one day is do you have Mike still host those episodes? Do you have to like dub in someone else's voice and performance and just not show the host with the actors at the same times? Because it's not like you can like reshoot Jeopardy. The whole thing with Jeopardy is that it's spontaneous. It's in the moment. It's right there. You know the you, answer. You don't. You also have to cut out all of like the banter and interactions. Well, that's the thing. Like, <laughs> what do you do with that? Because are, are they still going to air those episodes? We're at like the beginning of the one. They're like your host. Mike Richards and he's just like ah and then like the very next week they're like hey sorry about that <laughs> we're back on the hunt <laughs> <Never> again <mind. laughs> yeah they they could air like a little thing before each episode be like Mike Richards is no longer affiliated with the show blah blah, blah. but um he, like he removed himself com- from contention he you know he issued a very uh 
thought about apology that was like technically well done, but it was just like, yeah, this is what, you know, PR would come up with to apologize. Yeah. Um, like I said, though, outside of, uh, outside of anything that he has said in the past, this is a man who tried to leverage his power to, uh, rig an election essentially and force himself into a role that nobody there even wanted him in. Even mm-hmm. his coworkers didn't want him in this role. Uh, that kind of says a lot more to me than anything could like the people who are around him the most were not, uh, urging him to like hey you should throw your hand in the ring there he had to be like no i'm doing it i'm just gonna do it guys like that means that no one likes you no one likes this man uh and that's that's not my jeopardy host the thing with alex trebek is like no one likes him but it's in a cool way yeah Mm. yeah no it is kind of funny that the mike richards stuff people have tried to be like alex trebek has never said a bad thing in his life it's like all right come on no No, mike is he's he's mean as hell he was just smart enough to be quiet about his, he did his laugh at a woman. He has like opinions. laughed at women whenever they've given an answer on the show, which that wasn't great before. But yeah, you know. he he just and he's also like his whole shtick was he was like above everyone. Like he, you know what I mean. And so it was the opposite of a Mike Richards, where like he's the detached father. I always wish that I had. It's just I, it it grosses me out that he fuck he like put a giant stain on the history of the show that like had no stains. Ugh. It's really crazy, heartbreaking. Heartbreaking. Yeah, go fuck yourself, Mike. But the search continues then, right? Yeah. The search continues with guess who? Mike Richards conducting it. Because that's oh, the thing. He's still he the executive producer. Yep. He stepped down from being yeah. the host. He's still running the show. Hey, you know who I want to get a shot that and this isn't just a Mike thing that he didn't, because uh no producer would choose this, but Jimmy from the Clue Crew guys. Come on. I don't know this guy. He's, uh, he's the guy that reads it, Steve like, from the Blues Clues. No, dude. Can we get Steve in here? Whenever they do uh remote categories where it's like oh ancient egyptian artifacts oh, he'll be this yeah he'll yeah, be yeah, like yeah, at the pyramids the um he whenever uh they're like doing rehearsals before every episode he's the one that like hosts the game so he has like years and years of actual hosting jeopardy yeah. experience he just doesn't bring in any new viewership because he's only known for the show he's already on what mm-hmm. about um what about uh the msnbc person um oh faber faber David Faber. He's so he did a really great job. He's also not bringing in anyone new because, you know, an older audience watches CNBC, uh, you know, mostly. Yeah, it's it's a it's an overlap. I like I mean, I really like David Faber from what I've seen from him, but it'd be like there's something like familiar and comforting about him. Like he looks like a lot of classic. He just yeah, uh, white host. Not just that he's like a middle aged white man, but like. He was really good, but I would I want to see it be something, some kind of an outside pick, like something. I don't know. Bring in something that'll if like they bring, bring in a new Aisha, life in the will, show. She will clock these motherfuckers. Yeah. She's like the perfect, the the platonic ideal for everyone involved because she brings in a lot of new. People. Let's start a Weebot mic. Let's start campaigning well, for Aisha Tyler. I was Get on the I was about show. to say after we finish her career arc bracket, we do a Jeopardy bracket, and they have to choose whoever our listeners pick what if the seeds get crossed and it's like oh no tom cruise you're the new host of jeopardy <laughs> he's like i will do it with honor i'm gonna do all my own stunts <laughs> i'm sure he would too well we'll check back in Who in the jeopardy bracket would be or who in the weebom mic bracket would make the best jeopardy host because the easy answer is tom hanks but that's yeah, i think that tilda is. swinton is tilda swinton <laughs> that would be sneaky. bizarre as hell 
Dude, uh, Sigourney Sandler, Weaver up there. Sandler could be fun. No, he's too. He he tries too hard. Too much of a try hard. Don't want it. Um, I don't know. I feel like Hanks is. is I feel like your Kate, guy. I feel like Kate could be great. Kate Winslet. Samuel Jackson. Winslet. No. Yeah, Winslet. I think Winslet actually like seriously. could do a really a really good job of that. If I'm answering in a serious in manner. character as mm-hmm. mayor, uh, Streep would do an incredible job. She would bring a, a Trebekian vibe. I feel like. Yeah. I feel like she wouldn't be able to contain herself, though. She would be like, she would start like doing ABBA numbers on stage. <laughs> you yes. can dance. Yeah. You can dance. Her defining movie. <laughs> the fucking mama yeah, her main too. thing is just like going nuts in movies. She's <laughs> Everybody always, always says this. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll check back in with this when we have more updates on who will be the new Jeopardy host. Got a couple more catch-up items here. Um, one big one is one that we'll have to do more of a deep dive once it finishes its second season. Um, Ted Lasso on Apple TV plus right now. Um, I do want to like step back and do a bit of a, of like a meta conversation right now, because I am so shocked at how much hate this show has gotten. Well, what season two of it? Yeah, yeah, because mm. season one was pretty unanimously loved. It, yeah, and it got all these uh, all these uh, nominations, mm-hmm. uh, Emmy nominations, and now it's season two. We're what like five episodes in, so maybe it's like halfway through, a little less. I think it's like a twelve episode season that we're getting. Um, but the backlash is here, and it is shocking. To be fair, I, it's a very clear reason why this show, and yeah, I think it's that's- shifting. It's like thematic. Uh, yeah. sort of the core. thing is with the first season I loved it it was in my top 10 of the year like I really loved the first season I just found it like just so so charming um but that's that's what it was that it was just like a show that you just put on you're just like I just want to be with these people this is just a delight and season two is actually has some ideas to it mm-hmm. and it's doesn't lose its charm you know it's funny like season two is actually starting to become more like um the creator of the show's um uh, uh Bill what's his name? Yeah, Bill Lawrence's hey. main show, uh, Scrubs. Like where there is some thematic weight to some of the earlier Scrubs episodes that are going in there, but it still has a sense of whimsy that runs through a lot of it. I just, I keep forgetting that Bill Lawrence is behind this project because mm-hmm. that man is that man's very underrated. I feel because he spent a lot of time working on Cougar Town, which the demo wasn't our age group. However, it was by all means a very good show. Um, not just Abed from Community thinks that. Yeah. Um. He this. Yeah. He's a very good like sitcom maker. The show is really great. That's yeah. the thing. Like that's I binged the first season right before season two premiered, and I am loving it. It is so good, and it just keeps getting better and better. It is shocking to me that people are turning on it because I think season two is better than season one. Same. This, I, I, that's not from what I, I you're saying, though. That's not shocking at all, because like people were looking toward this to be the new Shit's Creek. Mm. That's what I'd say most of the mm. audience saw it as. Mm-hmm. It's, oh, it's the new thing that made me feel good. Yeah. It's the new Steady Eddie. I'll have six years of this where it's just the same. Like, Zany, you know, characters wacky. evolve in their tender moments, but like we're getting more or less the same product. And uh, they weren't interested in that. No, this this second season of Ted Lasso, it seems like it is very interested in challenging a lot of the status quo that it's set up in season one. Not like super dramatically. Like, it's not like he's going to 
coach a basketball team now or something like that's <laughs> we're not going there it's these smaller beats that flip on its head some of the things that were so that seemed so ingrained in the first season this show seems to be uh, or this the second season seems to be like questioning them like for example uh ted lasso's the character's uh unrelenting optimism in season one that's that's what he's all about he's coming in and he's happy-go-lucky and everybody's calling him a wanker who doesn't know the sport of football Mm -hmm. and he has no idea what he's doing and he needs to get the fuck out of this town and he just smiles and is kind and nice to everybody and that's kind of like the through line of the first season it's like this guy no matter how much people want him to see fail he just smiles and proves him wrong by just believing in himself and believing in his team and now in season two it seems like maybe ted lasso is smiling all the time because he's hiding yeah, some it's deeper... a defense mechanism. Yeah, it's some... really like they they introduce mm-hmm. a therapist character in this season who is just like kind of like lingering right there yeah. in the background, like bubbling under the surface that you're waiting for. Like, and there's just these moments, and really Sudeikis is killing it this season. Like it's he's almost doing he's doing like 90% of the same shtick from season one, but there's like 10% that's just pure actor that he's got like a little bit more sadness in his eyes. Yes. And it's like something that you just you can't teach like you either have it or you don't and he fucking yeah. has it and, and the whole ensemble's great yeah i i gotta give a shout out to taheeb jimmo who plays sam yes. um sam obasanya he was kind of a bit character didn't really have much to do in season one but season two like he's been one of the most pure delightful things that i've seen on tv this year um there's an episode uh which minor spoilers for Ted Lasso. Um, there's an episode where he is get he gets a sponsorship deal for um, Dubai Air, and he finds out that Dubai Air actually has a subsidiary company that has been mass polluting his home in Nigeria, and so he kind of has to deal with the ramifications of do you take the fame and the money of being sponsored and being on billboards and all this stuff, or do you like try to? stay something to yeah make a statement make a statement about your country yeah and it's just beautiful beautiful. yeah i will say unfortunately the show doesn't follow through too much on a big swing like that like it 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 pulls away from like going way into a subplot like the sense of whimsy yeah like we don't get a a massive like fallout from that And I think that maybe people are reacting to that and feeling like uh, obviously there are plenty of people who are just upset that the show isn't just, you know, full on wacky comedy all the time. But I think there are people that are maybe expecting it to do more of a serialized storytelling because that's what we've been conditioned to expect. And I think that, that this is trying to do something a little bit more episodic where it introduces these conflicts that don't necessarily carry forward throughout multiple episodes. I do think that there are some conflicts that definitely are going to tie back mm-hmm. and we'll see how this back half of the season shakes out with some of the other stuff that's going on in the show. But overall, I I love the hell out of it. I also wanted to shout shout out um Brett Goldstein as oh, yes. Roy Kent. Dude, he's he was the MVP of season 1 and like season 2 it's just peeling back the layers that onion. he's also one of the co-writers of the show because the show uh gives writing credit to sudeikis and um 
the guy who plays his head coach or the the oh uh Brandon Hunt yeah the other the Brendan Hunt the assistant coach me. um so those guys they all get uh co-writing uh I guess credit on it um but they're it's great it's mm. it's it's a fantastic show I can't recommend it enough I one other thing I want to shout out again minor spoiler for Ted Lasso but the newest episode that they just did is the like episode. one of the most genius things ever where they incredible it all starts with just like a throwaway joke that uh Jason Sudeikis says, like, I believe in communism, rom communism, that you're going to go through a dark patch, but in the end, everything's going to be OK. Nice. And the way that the episode keeps doubling down on this bit to do every it has like shades of they came together to it, where it's just like everybody is so all in on the joke that it's just it's perfect. It's mm-hmm. absolutely perfect. Um, yeah. Also sounds community like like mm-hmm. being willing to just delve into genre parody. Bill Lawrence was a big fan of community. I oh, mean, yeah. Scrubs has genre parody episodes. It has a musical episode. I mean, yeah, the musical episode is one of my favorite episodes of Scrubs. Mm-hmm. It's um, a banger. Before we move on, shout out to Dane, who's listening in our Discord server right now. Um, he wants us to mention the real life sadness in Jason Sudeikis' eyes. Yeah, and that's, is, that's that his lady left him for Harry Styles. The Olivia Wilde of it all. <laughs> Which, what do you do if you're Jason Sudeikis? Like, what, what do you do? You just kind of have to sit there and, like, take it. Well, I think they filmed Ted Lasso in England, and I think that she's still in the United States <laughs> shooting her movie. And so he was just, like, away across the ocean and uh, just couldn't do anything about it. One of like the most tragically funny things that's happened this year was the Emmys when uh, right whenever the photos the got sent out. or Yeah, this is the Globes. It was right when those photos started coming out of uh, Olivia and Harry together, like gallivanting on boats and shit like that. And it's just Jason Sudeikis winning a Golden Globe, like in a basement with yeah. a hoodie on. With stark, like fluorescent lighting directly <laughs> just, like, on his trying face. to smile his best and you're like oh no he's gone through it oh it's not even that's not light. it's like laptop yeah screen it's light yeah in a dark room. it's like oh no in season two that that's not tea in that whiskey bottle like he's just fucking going for it he's going through it and we love jason stick he looks like a king i don't care yeah white hoodie mode oh uh, well we will uh probably do a bigger episode um once uh, season two wraps up um and i'm sure honestly i'm sure it's going to end up in our best of the year if it continues the trend that it's on yeah i mean I'm, if it if it lands if it lands the ship well then it's it's yeah. without a doubt one of the best things i've seen this year um all right so we got one last thing hunter that you want to shout out before we get out of here um so i'll just be brief with this have you guys heard of the show wellington paranormal from you Okay, so for people who don't know, this is the hive, the mind hive behind what we do in the shadows. Um, This is Taika Waititi and Jermaine. Um, They're kind of their television show that they made right before they came over here and made what we do in the shadows in the States. And if I were to describe the show to somebody, I would say it's like the TV show, what we made in the shadows or what we do in the shadows and Reno 911. The basic premise. Cool, cool. Yeah, I know it's it's enough to kind of sell you if you're a fan of yeah. those shows. I mean, um, I'm already a huge fan of the what we do in the shadows but, show. Yeah, but it's it it kind of has that same type of humor to it. Except also, I will say, like, 
maybe a tenth of the budget of what we do in the shadows yeah. like there's like no money at this but it kind of adds to the charm of this show um it's about a group of uh two police officers in new zealand who uh investigate supernatural events that are happening in wellington new zealand um and there's everything from vampires to aliens oh, <laughs> the aliens yeah. episode is fucking hilarious it's so funny like it the aliens look like uh 1960s doctor who aliens <laughs> like the animation or the costumes so that they not, have on they're not trying to recreate the same kind of vibe and aesthetics of what we do in the shadows oh no well i mean one this show came actually before what we do in the shadows um but this is a lot zanier than what we do in the show it's closer to reno 911 in that tone where it's just kind of you know old reno 911 like it's just it exists on a planet that's not earth and that's kind of the joy of that show the kind of the kind of run and gun feel of it too yeah like bare bones it uh it premiered in i want to say 20 2018 i think that's in the states that feels yeah 2018 um so it came out like right before there's three seasons of it but it's slowly getting put onto hbo max i've seen the first um Oh, I figured they would just put episodes? the whole thing on there. No, it's really weird. So it started with uh, Guy and I watched the first two episodes and then like we just had it on. I was like, continue watching episode three. And I was like, oh, there's more of this. And I looked it up. There's three full seasons of it. 19 episodes total. But right now, only eight episodes are available on streaming. Wow. But, so they're just going to kind of drip out. Maybe there's yeah. those rights issues maybe it's just it's weird like i mean taika and jermaine are like having a moment right now especially what we do in the shadow season three is about to come back in just a couple of weeks Ooh, can't fucking wait for so that stoked. but like i just can't believe like nobody talks about this show it's it's really really good i wouldn't say it's not quite as good as what we do in the shadows but then again i think what we do in yeah. the shadows is like one of the best comedies on tv so it's like a <laughs> stepping stone to that yeah yeah, yeah exactly um also just really good cast of like people who you never seen before in your life because they're just new zealand actors but are so fucking charming and funny awesome well that is it for this episode gonna keep it nice and short for you um please be sure like short (laughs) all right you know you know the president we said the bar is on the floor Uh, please be sure to check out our bracket announcement episode as we break down all of the matchups to decide who will be our next career arc series. It's up to you. It's up to you to decide. So please vote in the Twitter polls and share and spread it and and you know tell all your friends about who you want to win this thing. And um, let's yeah, let's get that uh, that bracket. Uh, off the off the stratosphere and 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 figure it out so that's that and yeah uh let's see what's coming up um i know that we're gonna be doing more catch-up so we still have a long list got a white lotus episode Um, coming at you hey next week we're doing white lotus it became sort of it, it snuck up but it became a show that a lot of people are talking about um, yeah, it was one of those where like Twitter just decides like this is the show now. Yeah, yeah. and it just kind of like funny. sweeps HBO, everybody. HBO's had two of those this year. 
between I know, there and that. Yeah. yeah. And they like don't even have an app yet, basically. <laughs> like it's like unusable. So, I never look, have trouble with mine. Here's the I thing. hear everybody complaining. Here's the thing. The interface is bad. I'll say it's bad, but I use HBO Max literally every day. I can't tell you the last time I got on Netflix. I Net, think you should Netflu? That's well, what I'm that's yeah, I will, okay. You know, that's that's wrong. I do Netflix has now become my I think you should leave box. That's literally the only thing that I watch on it. Yeah, um, I they're definitely trying HBO like with now that they have the service up, they're trying to prove that they're not just the prestige network anymore. Because listen, folks, you're welcome for not talking about F Boy Island this week, but oh, um, you hopped into the island. Maybe we should do a double feed. I feel like White Lotus and F Boy Island are kind of like they're they're two two birds of the same feather absolutely put it on the docket man um no that's okay i'm not gonna <laughs> we uh we have a long list of of uh of ketchup um as we've mentioned that we um had to skip over as we were talking cage so the backlog is is ripe and in terms of new stuff um reminiscence anybody anybody literally anybody anybody I- out there reminiscence i there's not i follow a lot of people on letterbox i don't have a single follower who gave this more than two and a half stars oh boy yeah it's not it's not looking good for you ernie um hey only, i will say I'm the only one i still haven't my seen it, so. you is, haven't seen it <laughs> i want to shut the fuck I'm up i'm interested <laughs> shut up I, so one of my like my top five most anticipated things of the year came out this past week free guy no absolutely not um it's for my anime heads out there shout out to the weebs um evangelion's final movie evangelion 3.0 plus one thrice upon a time literally the greatest fucking anime name ever for a movie it's thrice upon a time it sounds like a coheed and cambria album (laughs) (laughs) it's Look, and here's the thing is that it's out right now. I'm kind of slowly working. I'm rewatching uh, Ava to like get hyped and ready for it. I'm so mad that Amazon fucking bought it. So it's not playing in theaters. It's playing in theaters in literally every other country in the world right now, except for America. Well, I would have just gotten COVID. Tragic. So to, get to watch uh, this, look but. out for that on the next episode of Weeb Bottom Mike. Weeb Bottom Mike. <laughs> and beyond that, uh, that's the spinoff. Candyman. Candyman. Hey, Candyman's this week. The Thank God hive. we never have to watch the trailer again after this Friday, guys. Candyman. Get hyped. Uh, Shang-Chi. Oh, Shang-Chi. Okay. I've heard good things. Yeah. Will I risk COVID to go see Shang-Chi? I've heard actually The Legend good of things. the Ten Rings. I'll probably go like a 2 p.m. showing. Um, And September, September looks a little, it looks a little sparse. Uh, We have that Sopranos movie coming out. So. Need to finish my binge watch. Yeah. So. We'll just be plugging in the catch-ups before we uh, decide on the, or before you listeners decide on the next series. Um, And uh, yeah, so stay tuned for all that. Again, please be sure to vote and share the bracket and we will see you next time. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye. Bye.